You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Hey, everybody. Are you going to say something? I was going to let you take it, but yeah, welcome. <laughs> well, yeah, Konnichiwa. You, you, you like took a breath. Bienvenido. Like yeah, bienvenido. Um, I can't say any others. No, I can I can count to ten in a few different languages. Um, Guten Tagen. I don't. Guten Tagen. That, I, that's, that's not German. It. Eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, acht, nein, zen. Ichi ni san shi go loco. Almost. That's Japanese. Ichi ni san shi roko ichi hachi ku ju. Okay. There you go. Don't believe me. A lot of people don't believe me when I count to ten in Japanese, but that that's actually it. I might not have said it perfectly, but. Um, hey, we're back. We just had an awesome guest on the podcast. Yes. Um, but it's been a hot minute since you and I have been able to just have a podcast together. That's because both of us were on vacations. Yes, we um, were. Where did you go? I went to Texas. Tejas. Tejas. Yeah. Arguably the best state in the union. Okay. Do you know Texas's state motto? I don't. What is it? I don't either. <laughs> Sorry. So when me and my wife were on vacation, we were road tripping to Branson, or from Branson, I should say, back home, because I flew in and met them there. Um, we played the license plate game. You should download it on your phone. I don't know if it's called license plate game, but anytime you see a new license plate, you enter it in, and then they give you, like, they show the license plate with, like, a unique name on there that has something to do with the state, and you got to figure out what it is. So, like, California had this. Had A-U-D-I-G-R. Think about that. A U slash d-i-g-r for californias what did that took end? us a while to figure it out but it's gold digger au is the periodic element the table of elements that's its that's its symbol gold is au so it took a while we're like oh wow. gold digger gold digger so the it's really rush. really fun anyways i was in branson we were there it was about 110 degrees with uh i would say over 50 percent humidity and it was, it was not enjoyable for because the lake itself that we were on, which is Table Rock Lake, was about 90 degrees. And I'm not exaggerating. So you're trying to take a break from the 100 degrees just to jump into water that was 90 degrees. Um, you, it almost like that song, you know, I can't get no satisfaction. It was like, I can't get no relief from the heat. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the pool in Texas as well. Yeah. But I actually got some relief. It was good. Yeah, they had a pool up top at this clubhouse. We stayed at this RV resort, and that was like in the shade most of the day. So it was like 80 degrees. So we'd go up there after the boat. But um, it was fun, man. We 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 uh did some wake surfing. My wife's family has been doing it for years. So all of them like go up and down the wave, bam, 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 slap the tail. And her brother does like shove it, some 360s. She's learning to do a 360. And this is just my second time. So I'm happy to say, though, that I can comfortably ride without the rope now, and I can go up and down the wave for about a minute and a half, and then all of a sudden I'll, I'll get kicked out the back of the way. you got to be really careful. got to stay right in the pocket when you're doing all your turning and carving, because if you get too far back, you'll get pushed out. Mm. But anyways, that was fun. I found Texas's state motto. What is it's it? It's one word. Friendship. And you're like, why is that? But actually, the name Texas originates from a Native American Caddo tribe word, Texas, which means friends or allies. I'm a little bit bigger fan of their slogan. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for friendship. Thank you for being my friend. But their slogan is cool. It's four words. It's boom, 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 boom. It's prestige, seriousness, humanity, truth. Wow. 
That's their slogan. That's their slogan. So maybe I, I have those two words mixed up. I think it maybe it might have been the slogans because each state it would when we'd put their license plate in, we'd find it. It'd give a, you like a list of facts. A lot of their slogans. A lot of the states, overwhelmingly, most of the states' slogan was something to do with God. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the distinction between a motto and a slogan is. Sometimes those can be vague, kind of like, what's your mission statement? What's your vision statement? <laughs> I've gotten some clarity and revelation on that. Not sure what yeah. the difference between a slogan and a motto is. Yeah. But regardless, now right. I know. So, Thank you for like, adding that. Here's a, here's a fun fact. If you're driving <clears throat> along I-70, no matter where you're at along I-70 and which state you're in, most trucks I have found that are on I-70 are coming from Indiana or Maine. Like, literally, there When was, you say trucks, are you talking about 350s or semi-trucks? No, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking semis. You're talking roll-on, 18-wheeler, roll-on. Yeah, that's I'm an Alabama reference. 10-4, rubber ducky, looks like we that's got ourselves. That's a CW McCall reference. Yeah. Okay, looks like we got ourselves a convoy. That's not him, but. Alabama had 40 number one hits country. Wow. It's pretty impressive. So, Keep yeah, going. they're all from Indiana or Maine. And the two states that we really needed on our road trip was Massachusetts and Rhode Island. And guess what? Lo and behold, I found both of those in Colorado not on my road trip yesterday. Congratulations. Thank you. You got there. And I think we got there for the intro. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> Actually, we're going to just spend the whole time going over states, their mottos, their slogans. And now I got an accent. All right. Um, okay. So I had something... Uh, 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 <laughs> in my throat, apparently. Um, I'd love to talk about uh, the subject of holiness. Now, don't turn this podcast off. Now, I don't know why I'm talking in an accent again. Do not turn this I podcast off. because I mentioned Texas. I think so. Holiness is a beautiful subject that is deeply misunderstood and shied away from by a lot of Christians. When you think of holiness, just say you are un enlightened right now you don't know Little the true definition the prairie, full dress bun right rules regulations i can't see the ankles on the women right <laughs> <laughs> right that's what most people think you think man holiness is really keeping me from having a good time miriam webster's definition of holiness is actually quite sad it's the state of being holy so i'm like Thank you for that. So uh, they, yeah, I, I always do that. I go for the definition and then it gives me like the root word and then I have to go do another like, well, thank on you. the root word. It's like I looked up the definition of a verb and you gave me the noun. Thank you. Um, anyways, holiness is, is way bigger than that. And I really want to talk about this subject. And I think this is actually going to be a two-part series. I'm calling it Pursue Holiness. All right. Pursue Holiness. So, uh, uh, I want to look at uh, Hebrews 12, starting in verse 14, says this, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. That'll be our foundational scripture for this teaching. And we've been, I guess, enlightened in the fact that holiness, we know, isn't what we just described previously, but it's really a, a relational aspect, being in right standing with God. He's been... That's righteousness, but he's made us holy, right? And holy really means set apart. Um, we look at, um, there's actually, I can't, I don't have them before me, but there's a Hebrew word and a Greek word in the New Testament, really, that describes holiness as being separated unto God. So when you think about being holy, it's a, think, you think about being separate from the world or the things of this world, okay? So without holiness, no one can see God. 
uh, no one can see the Lord. That's a big statement. Without holiness, nobody is seeing Jesus. So I want to unpack this a little bit. Um, in the Aramaic, which is what Jesus spoke in, That's um, true. Aramaic, this verse is translated, without holiness, no one will see into the Lord. No one will see into the Lord. So I kind of see that almost as like a window of a house. I'm trying to see through, but that window is uh, opaque, right? Can't see through it, right? Your holiness doesn't just affect you. This is what I want to talk about. A few aspects of holiness here. So without holiness, no one can see into the Lord. Your holiness doesn't just affect you. It affects those around you. If you are not holy, people will not see Jesus in you, right? The Bible talks about us being a temple. You house the spirit of the Lord. So I know it's cute to say, hey, you know, God's God's in, or God is with me, but it's much more than that. God is in you, and he wants people to see him in you as well. So holiness, like I said earlier, means set apart or separated to be completely and totally his, his being God's, right? If your lifestyle is blending in with the world, guess what? They cannot see God, because your lifestyle is really presenting a window. Without holiness, people cannot see into the Lord. Making sense? Yes, sir. All right. That's the first aspect of holiness, right? If no one, if, if they can't see God, guess what? You're kind of useless. There's nothing separating you from them. The way you conduct yourself um, should be so different and evident. It's like wearing an orange vest in the uh, Georgia Hills, right? You're separated from the surroundings. It's way different. Now there's some separation going on. You know, it, it, uh, you can see something different. Um, when, you, when you're wearing camouflage, it's doing its job, right? You're blending in with your environment. You're blending in with your surroundings, right? So your holiness is an open window. That's just a point here that if you're reading or no, you're not reading this at all. If you're listening to this, you can mentally write it down. Your holiness is an open window for people to see into Jesus, okay? That's the first aspect of holiness that I get from this verse, Hebrews 12, verse 14. Now I'm gonna flip it. Let's make it personal. Your holiness or lack thereof affects whether God can see you as well, right? And this is not heresy. This is not blasphemy. Don't shout me down. Don't turn this podcast off. It's the second time I've asked you that. Don't turn it off, all right? Uh do I know that God is all-knowing? Yes, right? Uh, do I know he, he literally, you know, it's not like he literally can't find me. I understand that. I'm not debating that, but I'm trying to paint another perspective for us. So picture it in this way. God is sitting up in heaven, and he's saying, when you're not operating in holiness, right? He's saying, hey, where's my son? Where's my daughter? I know that they gave their life to me however many years ago, but I'm, I'm having trouble seeing them right now. They're they're blending in. I'm having some things I'd like to show them. I'm having some things I'd like to talk to them about. I have your song, right? I have destiny to impart to you. I have, I have truth to reveal to you. If those of you don't know what I'm saying, uh, John, across the table from me, John P., wrote a song a couple of years ago, and it's all about God revealing truth yeah. and destiny to people. I've written a couple songs. Yeah. Um, it's all about sitting in the presence of God, right? Yeah. The lyrics are, I might not remember them exactly. Say the lyrics and I'll sing them. Come away with me, my child. Got Come it. away and Let's sit, sit a while, while with so, me. Did you wrote that though? Like you wrote the the melody as well, right? Yes. Come away and sit. Come away and sit with me, right? Oh, no, yeah. well, sorry. Come away and come away with me, my child. Yeah. Come away, away and sit a while with me. me. 
don't be, be quick, quick to leave. Yeah. It was great. We need to like revamp that. We need to revamp it. Let's yeah. do it. Okay. Not right now, but we will. So uh, he's saying, hey, I, I know you're in the earth. You gave your life to me so many years ago, but right now you're not operating in that holiness. And I've got things I want to say to you. I've got destiny to declare and impart to you, but I can't see you, right? I can't see you. Uh, 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 you're far from me. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were ashamed. They hid themselves. Genesis 1 verse 9, what did God say? This is this is my translation. He goes, where the heck are you, right? Where are you guys? Did God really know where they were? Probably, yeah. But there's an aspect of when you are in sin and sin and shame and in guilt, you are hiding yourself so God cannot see you, right? I think of the story of the prodigal son, right? He rebelled and went away from his father. He lived like the world. He went and he blended in. It's like wearing camouflage in the forest. The father could no longer see him. He was too far away. He knew he was in the world and in his own sin, but he didn't chase him down. That's, you know, we like to say, well, yeah, as soon as, as, soon as the father saw the son, he came running, which is absolutely true. But he did not chase the son down. The son had to repent and come back home first, right? So he didn't chase him down. The son had to come back in order to be restored. And this is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's 2 Chronicles 19, 9. And it says this, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. That's just a beautiful scripture. To me, I just, it, it, it just, God has this reservoir of strength that he's wanting to impart to his children. And he's looking for people whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking for people who are going to operate in holiness. And that's not like, you know, uh, you think of, you know, Catholic priest or going to confession or wearing the most modest of clothing. It's you no know, someone who understands that they've been bought with a price and they're continue continuing to live separate from the world that they were bought and 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 rescued out of. That's what holiness is. Understanding who who saved you, what you were saved from, and what you were saved to, and continuing to live in that lifestyle. Amen. You can say amen. Amen. Thank you. Right. So um, uh, your holiness causes God to stop in his tracks and show himself strong to you. He will strengthen you. I like how it says he's looking for loyal or committed hearts to show himself to. And this brings me to my third point on on holiness uh, of this scripture. And this one really points to the most obvious. Um, I think if you were to read the scripture at face value, this is the conclusion you'd come to. You yourself cannot see the Lord unless you are holy. Leviticus 11 and, and 1 Peter both say the same thing. God says, be holy, for I am holy. The New Living Translation says it this, this way, you must be holy because I am holy, right? Why so much emphasis, right? We must be holy. It's because God loves us so much. His deepest desire is intimacy. It's deep relationship with his children. And there's this pesky little thing that always gets in the way of that, and that's called our sin, right? Every choice we make in life, I've said this multiple times, I think just two podcasts ago maybe, or three podcasts ago, every choice we make in life either draws us closer or farther away from Him. And if we choose to continually sin, we're driving a wedge between ourselves and God. Um, Isaiah 59.2 literally says this, your sin separates you from God. Go ahead and read it. Um, on your own time, Isaiah 59, 2 literally says that your sin separates you from God, right? God isn't choosing to punish you and ban you 
from his presence when you sin. I think that's a really great idea and concept for people to get a hold of that God isn't punishing you. You know, when we go through things in life um, and we, we get angry at God and we shake our fists at the heaven, we really have no right to do that. Our own sin is what separates us. Our own desires is what separates us. God isn't punishing you. You and, and the position you've put yourself in um, is, is... Carries enough punishment of its own. Right. Right. You know, we, we talk about this, you know, um, the absence of blessing really is, is curse. cursed. Right. The earth is cursed. Um, but God and life in Christ is blessing. So when you choose to live under an open heaven and live in the will of God and live in the holiness of God, you're blessed. And when you don't, God isn't removing his hand from you. It's just, it is just the default mode when you're not in blessing, you're living in the curse. Amen. All right. So, uh, uh, let me see, where do I want to go? All right. I'm going to just go a little bit longer because I said I might be doing a two-part series here. Um, I could blow through this and maybe get it all done in one, but maybe we want to take our time. We'll see. All right. So, uh, right. Jesus paid the highest price, which was his own life for us not to not be separated by sin anymore. But how many times do we, we, you know, we resurrect that veil that he split, right, um, um, by the choices that we make? And you might be thinking, Jonathan, that's great. Um, but we're made holy when we accept Christ, right? There's nothing I can do about that. That is true. You are correct. But there are two aspects of holiness that the Bible talks about, and John Bevere actually states them very simply. There are two um, uh, uh, aspects of holiness. Number one is positional holiness, okay? Um, I keep wanting to say, write this down. Um, make mental note of this. Number one aspect of holiness, positional holiness. Ephesians 1.4 says this, it states, Christ chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Listen, I got married to my wife, Brittany, in 2017. I am not more Brittany's husband today than I was in 2017. I am just as much her husband now. It doesn't change. So that's my position with her. So whenever you got saved, yes, you became holy through Jesus Christ. You, you, you're, as far as position is concerned. Your positional holiness does not change, okay? Now let's look back at 1 Peter 1.16. He says, be holy as I am holy. He's not talking about positional holiness. He's talking about behavior. That's the second aspect of holiness, behavioral holiness. So there's positional holiness, which doesn't change, and there's behavioral holiness, which absolutely does change. It's our conduct. So, Going back to the marriage thing, after I married Brittany, there needed to be a behavioral change that would come in line with my positional change, right? Since I am completely and totally hers now, I'm no longer going on dates with other women. I'm no longer flirting with other women. No, I am now hers. It's the same thing with God. Our behavior should line up with our position. Behavioral holiness follows positional or should echo and reciprocate. That's the wrong word, but whatever. Uh, positional holiness, right? Uh, uh, we have been made holy, so now we need to or must, as the New Living Translation says, act holy. We need to separate ourselves from our old ways, our old behaviors, and be completely devoted to Him, okay? Uh, so salvation really doesn't just end with being saved, praying a prayer, and that's it. 
It's the birthplace. It's where you start, but it's not where you end. It's not the life of blessing and victory in totality. There's more to that. And so how do we experience the more? It's through holiness. You know, there's a, a youth pastor I used to listen to named Jordan Boyce, and he said, holiness isn't the destination. It's the it's the road. It's the process. It's something. It's the lifestyle that you choose each and every single day. Um, so your salvation is really the birthplace of behavioral holiness, is, and that's how you experience the more of God, the more of the kingdom of heaven. When we talk about more, when we talk about overflow, when we talk about abundance, I really think that all boils down to making sure you are living separate from what you were saved from. Whew, I need to take a breath. Do you have anything to say? I'm just blown and going. You are blown and going, but it's great stuff, and it it's stuff that needs to just be let out and then processed <laughs> afterwards. So I was just thinking about what you just said. This is the freshest thing that's in my mind on what you said. You said positional and behavioral, yep. correct? Yep. I think another way, and maybe easier to remember for some, is to say absolutely positional, but secondly, practical. Yep. Practical holiness. Let me just read this definition of practical. It says, of or concerned with the actual doing or mm. use of something rather than with theory and ideas. Ooh. So I think that, that's... Say it again. I think that's exactly what we deal with. Of or concerned with the actual doing or use of something rather than the theory and ideas. So obviously there's a positional marriage where you're positionally married, but then there's a practical use that yeah. goes beyond theory and ideas. Right. And I think what we need to realize is that the position always contains the authority mm -hmm. to do the practical application of that. If you're paying attention, if you're mm -hmm. learning anything... In your marriage counseling, yeah. there was some there's some understanding that there's a practical outlet. So positional and practical. And I was just thinking about how maybe first and foremost, I know it's your third point where without holiness, you won't see the Lord. And right. obviously people won't see the Lord. But how will they see into the Lord until we've actually yeah. seen into the Lord? Mm. And I was just thinking about that statement, seeing into something and how often we get what Pastor Shane talked about, broken and improper perspective yeah. of a situation because we haven't seen into it. We love right. talking about leadership on this podcast. I don't operate in a ton of leadership, but I do operate in some. And when we have meetings, when we have confrontation, one of the best things you can do is to actually not look at the surface of that, but to look into that so yeah. you can gain the right perspective. And so many have a broken down, hurt, improper yes. view of God. Why? Because they haven't acted practically to what God has given them so they can actually see into him so they can have the right perspective of Ooh. him. That's good. And ultimately, you will just be judging a book by its cover. Absolutely. You know, some of the best restaurants I've ever been in are the ones <laughs> the that worst. look the worst on the outside. Yeah, come on. Don't get me wrong. I'm not making a comparison of God saying he looks bad from the no. outside. God looks good from the he outside. He looks like a P.F. Chang's. Have yeah. you seen the outside I see of the horse Chang's? and whoever that Mongolian dude riding it <laughs> it's is probably, awesome. It's probably P.F. Chang. No, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's P.F. <laughs> I see the P.F. or it's Chang. I, oh, no, he's the same person. But honestly, sometimes I'm just going to get real here. Come on. You can look at God from the book and the mm. cover of it. As Pastor Shane was saying, yeah. look at some stuff in Genesis. Look at yeah. some stuff in Revelation and you go, I don't like what I see. Mm. Or you look and go, he looks great, but I want to keep an arm distance away from him. There's a bunch of teaching on yeah. how the 
Hebrew people did that. They wanted to keep distance from him. But Jesus and God ultimately are the only ones, I can't say only ones, but I know sometimes it's not true in my life, that the closer you get to him, the more you look into him, the more fulfilled you are, and the better they seem to be. I'm not saying God gets yeah. better the deeper you get. And the core of who God is isn't greater than his exterior. Right. Well, the closer you get, the more you're, you're, you're pushing aside the things that are distorting the view. Exactly. And you get a greater perspective. Yeah. And as you get a greater perspective, you get a more holistic or holy right. view of who he is. Yeah. And I think we as Christians, as representations or ambassadors of Christ, really don't understand the responsibility that we have because we are windows into the character and nature of God. And so when you said you read the Bible and you go, I don't love what I'm seeing here. It's the same thing when people encounter ambassadors who maybe aren't operating and, and, uh, uh, declaring, you know, doing what the person who gave them the authority is telling them to do, which would ultimately be God. So we're misrepresenting. So when people look into that, they're seeing a complete misrepresentation of who God is. We as, as I want to say saints, right, as Addison pointed out, uh, have a tremendous responsibility. We are windows into the character and nature of God. And that's very important to God. Maybe more important than the actual acts that we do Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of maybe the most sobering words of Jesus that I know of in the Bible in Matthew 7, where he says, many will come to me and say, Lord, mm -hmm. Lord, look at the amazing yeah. works I did. And Jesus looks at him and says, no, I've seen the works you have done and they're yeah. lawless. And depart this is going on me. your second point. Mm -hmm. It affects the way I see you because he yeah. said, depart from me. I, I never, never knew you. And you go, God knows everyone. Never saw you. But right? the desire <laughs> of God to know us so deeply and intimately because he's a God of love, he never knew us to that level. And the issue was our lawlessness and our lack of interest in getting to know him. Those are some thoughts. No, those are Hopefully very... they don't detract. No, no. I loved everything that you said. And I think that was great addition to what I've already been been saying here. I remember a, a story, a, a time when when I was first becoming a youth leader. So it was me and Kate, my cousin, and and Zane and Paige, and they were the middle school youth leaders. And we were all sitting down. And remember Pastor Mark talked about us, talked to us, um, and he said, you know, God gives every single person, you know, who, who he believes is called into the ministry, he usually gives you a topic. That's the thing. That, that's the thing that you that you hold on to. And, and as we just talked about in Pastor Shane's, Pastor Mark's overwhelmingly is victory. Right? Pastor Shane's yeah. is love. Is love, right? And so he, he spoke to all four of us and said, what's that message? So we were sitting around the table when, when he wasn't there and I was, we were talking about it and, and Paige goes, um, you know, what, what, what do you guys think about that? And Zane was like, you know, I really think like the outreach, you know, just reaching out to the lost. I'm like, that's awesome. And Paige had something like that. And I remember I was just like, I think it's holiness. And Paige looked at me like, holiness? It's holiness? She's like, you're, you're 21 and you already, you're, that's your message? You want to you wanna just preach on holiness? I was like, I, I think so. Um, and it just made all of us laugh because she's like, that. Uh, you're, you need to remember you're a youth pastor. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's a pretty deep subject, but it is a very important subject. So anytime that we talk, you know, there's that or holiness gets brought up, 
brought up in the church page will text me afterwards like that's your message that's your message um it was just a funny story um all right we'll wrap it up here i got like one more thing to say and then we'll go on into the the wisdom of the day so i want to reiterate what i said earlier salvation doesn't just end with being saved praying a prayer and that's it it's the birthplace it's where you start but it's not where you end it's not the life of blessing and victory in totality there is always more and how do we experience the more it's through holiness. So this word usually has a negative connotation. We think of rules, do's, and don'ts, and that's why I brought up that story with Paige. She doesn't view holiness this way. She was just making a joke. I want all the listeners, and I know she listens to this. So, And you know if she, if you misrepresent <laughs> her, she's going to let yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, this is an opportunity for uh, me to be a window for people to see into the character and nature of Paige. Um, she understands what holiness is. She loves holiness and teaching on holiness. It was just a funny joke because I was really young and that was a, a heavy, deep subject. All right. So we think of rules, do's and don'ts. We think of legalism. We think of a scorecard by which we are judged or determined if we are good enough. But holiness is actually quite beautiful. Uh, holiness is the nature of Christ. It's not about rules. It's not even about perfection. It's about pursuing Jesus. And if we're going to be pursuing Jesus, we are going to be pursuing his character. Um, and holiness is a beautiful thing. And I'm going to stop it right there. And next week we will get into, I, I think I have six uh, practical points on how to uh, pursue holiness in your own life. So we'll wrap it up there. Let's, let's do wisdom of the day real quick. All right, I'll start off. Uh, I think it came from... I was waiting. It was interesting as you were talking and I was listening for most of the podcast. I'm like, but I'm going to say this and then it would be your next point. So it just fall into play. Sorry. So I didn't have anything to say for Sorry. the most part. But when you got to what the tension comes down to is, yeah, I've been made holy, but I'm not living holy. The greatest gap known to mankind is that of concept yeah. and application and you making the point and re putting it in your own words from what John Bevere said of positional and behavioral, I got positional and practical. And I thought, I need to look up the definition of practical. Yeah. And I think it lines up. Yeah. And another way I, I like looking at that and how it becomes helpful for me is not because they just start with P and it helps with alliteration a little bit, <laughs> but also is that so often I have a difficulty believing that I'm positionally holy because my practical application of it can be so different at times, if I can be real enough. Yeah. And it seems like to act holy, to live in a way like God is unlikely, impractical, or maybe even impossible at times. But if you understand that you've been positionally made holy, truly understand it, sit with it, chew on it, imagine what that would look like, you realize that it's just the practical application of it. And that seems like there's such a grace to the word. It's practical. It right. makes me think of even Romans 12, where it says, this is your reasonable, reasonable. service. So to yeah. realize that when God gave me the awesome, unearned ability to be holy, it's just the practical application of it in my day-to-day -day that That's brings good. it full circle. That's good. And gives me a whole picture of holiness. A whole picture of holiness. Maybe that's the name. <laughs> whole holiness. <laughs> Holy hole. Whole... <laughs> or another way to rephrase that would be completely whole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your wisdom right. of the day? Um, <clears throat> my wisdom of the day is kind of, it goes in line with what you said. 
um, just understanding that my two aspects of holiness, positional and behavioral or, or practical. And the practical way of looking at it is the example I made with, with my wife, right? Uh, when I got married to her in 2017, uh, I'm not any more married to her, her today than I was a few years ago. Um, but my behavior needed to change. And we, we, we would look at that example and say, absolutely, absolutely. That's exactly what you need to do. You'd be crazy to keep entertaining your exes and all that kind of stuff. But we do that all the time with God. And I know that's one of John Bevere's main things that he talks about, right? You're not entertaining other lovers. When you get saved, you enter into covenant with one person and you stay with that one person. And so all these other lovers you think, I don't have other lovers. Well, yeah, the things that you enjoyed that we would call sins and weights and distractions, um, idols, right? Anything that is getting in the way, we're putting those things, we're, we're, we're getting rid of those things. Yeah, I like how you changed your words saying, you know, we're going to put those things here. Like, well, I don't put them anywhere. Yeah. I get rid of them. Get rid of them. <laughs> put them in the on the back burner. No. Here's an no, interesting no, no. thing when I just got revelation from this from someone who shared, but Speaking of priorities, and ultimately Jesus shouldn't be your top priority. He should be the the the, pri- the only the, the thing. Uh, but when you get things out of priority, you don't just hurt the one that moves from one to two. Because to say like I don't necessarily have a family, but it should be I do. I have a wife. So God, my wife. Let's just say work. But if I move God to number two, my wife doesn't just stay in number two. Then she also gets moved down. So. Yeah, just an interesting thing. But hey, great words. Since you did such a great job of sharing, would you mind praying us out of this podcast, man? Yes, I will. Did you get your complete wisdom of the day out or did you have I more know, to share? No, that's good. And I'll share more next week. So. Awesome. Sorry, no, I just got a... I know, uh, he opened email. his phone, so I didn't want right. to... I got an email. We're good. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. We love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for rescuing us out of the world and putting us into the kingdom of your light, which is our positional holiness, Father God. And I thank you that you're helping us each and every day by the grace of God to change our behavior and apply that holiness practically in our lives. I pray, Father God, that we would get a greater and a deeper understanding, a right understanding of what holiness really is, and that just means set apart. If I was saved from something, I don't go back to it. So I thank you that your grace is helping us live uh, correctly and that it is the pathway. It's not a destination. It's not just a starting place, but it really is the journey, the pathway, and it is a beautiful journey. So I pray that we have the right perspective of, of this and we choose to live in holiness each and every day. We thank you. We love you. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. All right, everyone. Well, I appreciate you listening. And I encourage you, take some time, sit with the positional holiness you've been given, and then how that works in your life. And we will be with you. Mm. So the hardest part of doing the outro is how to say, uh, Not see you next time, but we will be with you next week on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with Jay and Jay.